What is up, everyone? Good morning. Welcome to the Cub Cooker Supernatural Podcast. My name is Cub Cooker, and every day on this podcast, we explore faith, spirituality, and the realm of paranormal. On Sundays, I go live on multiple platforms. Uh, so wherever you're watching me, welcome. I hope you're having a beautiful day. We're live on TikTok right now. We're live on Facebook. Um, and then as soon as we get to another level on YouTube, we'll be doing a live on YouTube as well. Uh, but I'm going to have to get another device to do YouTube as well. I've tried the multi-stream thing, and it's just not really a great solution um, as far as really getting the engagement and everything going on these individual platforms. So for that purpose, we're live on TikTok and uh, Facebook, and then I'll be posting this over to the YouTube channel. Everything's over at cubcooker.com, C-U-B-K-U-K-E-R.com. Uh, so welcome, everybody, over here on Facebook. Um, I've got uh, comments open, so yeah, you guys ask questions. If you have any questions, comments, prayer concerns, uh, drop them over here on Facebook. We're going to get into this esoteric reading of the gospel today. Uh, what is up, Lynn? How are you doing? Uh, just so you guys know, the good audio recording now will be over on Facebook and then YouTube and then TikTok because of the low engagement on TikTok lately. I don't know what they're doing with their algorithm, but uh, we've got you know considerably more people over on Facebook now, so uh, we're just going to kind of push the resources where uh, they are due, where the platforms are rewarding us. So, uh, But I'm still live on TikTok just to, to make sure that we're still communicating over there. You just don't hear the clear audio like you did because I only have one microphone. So, um, But as we get into this, so if you don't know me, um, I am here to help. I am a light worker. I am a mystic and I'm a mentor. And above all, um, I want to help people find that authentic reality that they can step into uh, to live a life of freedom and joy uh, in the perfect, perfect mind of God. Um, and I am not here from any particular uh, religious bent. I was raised Christian, but um, I'm, I lean more towards Gnostic now. Um, I combine a lot of Christian beliefs with uh, a lot of Eastern mysticism, specifically uh, Buddhist and Hindu, um, as well as quite a bit of Gnostic texts um, and metaphysical beliefs. So I really just, um, I see the truth in all of it, and I don't see that it's all that separate. So that's how I'm able to teach from that point of view. So uh, with that said, we're going to read this morning um, in light of inclusion of all races, religions, and orientations. We don't care who you are, who you're married to, where you do or don't go to church, what the color of your skin is, uh, as long as you are here in love and light just to, uh, to be a friend to all um, and try to, above all, by the way, what I do is for self. This is not for uh, you to try to go out and evangelize anyone. I heard this great message. You got it. Like you can send them my content. That's great. Have a healthy conversation around it. I really appreciate that. Um, but this is not something that I think needs to be, you know, taken out and, uh, pounded into everyone's head. Like this is a personal journey. And that's why I go live on these so that you can just take some personal time with me here read through uh, specifically as we go through the gospel this morning, 
what does it really mean? What does it mean under the surface? Uh, disconnected from religious institutions, disconnected from any type of traditions. What does it mean connected to the esoteric meaning of what Christ was talking about? Now, what is the esoteric meaning? That's what we're going to discover today. We're going to look at the Psalms. Now, Jesus quotes the Psalms a lot because that was a major source of uh, spiritual texts that the Hebrew people had, uh, the Jewish people had. And so he was speaking to that time. But we're also going to look this morning of like who really wrote the Psalms and is it all talking about the same God? Who was Christ talking about? Why did he really cleanse the temple? Uh, we're going to see that today and it's going to be mind opening. And so uh, if you try to approach it from any type of good theology here, then you're going to run into walls real quick. Uh, I'm not a theologian. I am a spiritual uh, teacher. I'm a spiritual practitioner. Again, we discuss faith, spirituality, and the paranormal. Uh, paranormal including metaphysics, including quantum, including uh, specters and ghosts and UFOs and aliens and all the weird stuff that we just can't explain yet we know somehow breaks into our reality all the time. What's up, Eddie? How are you doing, my brother? Uh, Arthur, what is up? How are you doing? Um, Amy River, thanks for being here. Uh, Ryan Oxford, what's up? Donna Strickland, thank you guys for joining. So you guys can engage uh, at any point. I'm going to try to look at both screens and, and grab questions the best I can here. So I do like that uh, TikTok has bigger words I wish I could do that over on Facebook. Let's see if there is a way. I don't know if there is a way. No, I can just move the comments out of the way, apparently. Um, I wish they would make them bigger because I'm blind even on a on an iPad. So, um, As we've been reading through John, we're in John chapter 2, verse 12. And it says, after this, he went down to Capernaum. He and his mother, his brothers, and his disciples... And they stayed there for a few days. Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He found in the temple those who sold oxen, sheep, and doves, and the changers of money sitting there. He made a whip of cords and threw all out of the temple, but the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out the changers' money and overthrew their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, take these things out of here, don't make my father's house a marketplace his disciples remembered that it was written zeal for my house will eat me up now this is interesting here jesus is not saying zeal for your house will eat me up or zeal for my house will eat me up but the disciples remembered okay so we have to remember we're reading a gospel that was written to try and represent and tie together everything that happened one of the efforts in that was to make sure that Christ was tied as the fulfiller of this old law. Um, and he did say that at one point during the gospel. But I just want you guys to be really aware that Jesus did not say this here. Okay, And we're going to look at what Psalm 69.9 is, which is zeal for your house will eat me up. I'm going to go ahead and finish this chapter out here. And then we're going to look at that. What does that really mean? Why did Christ do this? Um, and what is the beyond the church answer for what is really going on here? And so, and I think we're going to really discover some interesting things today. Uh, the Jews therefore answered him, what sign do you show us seeing that you do these things? 
Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. So the Jews therefore said, it took 46 years to build this temple. Will you raise it up in three days? But he spoke of the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said this, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Again, more efforts to tie up those loose ends here. I am a big, big, big fan, guys, of looking at the red letters. The red letters being the words that are attributed to Christ. I do not believe that those were changed. I believe truth has to be presented, and I believe the man spoke truth. Um, and so all the other stuff around it is, is for me open to debate because it's like, that's someone trying to tie this up. Like you literally go from the red letters to the regular letters here saying that, oh, and then they remembered, they remembered, they remembered. Like it's all these tying these things up together. Red letters is where it's at. Missy says, absolutely. So with that said, um, He's talking about his temple, the body. Okay, now that is a very Eastern ideology. We have to remember that there's a very, very good chance that Christ went into India and Nepal. Uh, there's a lot of stories of that. Um, some people don't even believe that Christ was an actual person, that it was more of a story that was passed down from the Egyptian story. Um, and now I, I can't tell you if that's true or not, because I wasn't there. So let's just remember that I wasn't there. So anything I say, anything anybody says to you on any of these platforms or a, a preacher at a pulpit or whatever, they weren't there. So they're, they're operating on data that other humans have given them. Now that's why I try to operate on the data of the red letters. And if you look at this chapter and verse, in fact, if you look at all of the gospels, we don't have a whole lot of red letters, guys. You look at the whole of the Bible, and most of the Bible is man's interpretation of spiritual ideas. They are also not cohesive, okay? And as we're going to see, I'm just going to ask the, the class, the class, the class, I've been watching too much uh, uh, Big Bang Theory with Kripke on there. Uh, the class, what do you guys think, who do you think wrote Psalms? Just drop it down in the comments, it, like who you think wrote Psalms, because this is going to blow your mind today. This is going to really put in context for you. You're going to love your Bible still when I'm done today, I promise you. But you're also going to, you're going to expand your consciousness around all of these other ideas that might be out there that, by the way, might not be saying anything different than what Christ actually spoke. That's going to be the difference between the message I have today and what, Right now, there's probably, I don't know, several million churches live on, on Facebook and YouTube and Instagram and TikTok and everything like that this morning. And so I'm bringing a little bit different message here. Sorry, trying to get comfortable here. I did some yoga yesterday and my back is, uh, is still adjusting. I, I got some really good, good stretching going on and uh, it's like it released pressure from years of abuse on my back here. Uh, an emotional tension just just needing to come out. So, Holy Spirit, Missy says absolutely. Um, Captain Reefer says King Solomon. Um, who else? Who thinks? Uh, okay, Mi uh, Missy says Holy Spirit uh, potentially wrote Psalms. Uh, anyone else have uh, questions, comments, prayer concerns on um, Psalms and who wrote it? Uh, Ryan says I've struggled. Finding a discussion that could keep me interested, and you're probably genuinely the first. I appreciate it. 
Dude, thank you very much for being here. I really appreciate that. Um, and I hope that today helps. I hope today goes a long way towards a lot of us just kind of opening up to the truth of what's in the scriptures, uh, which, by the way, is not every word. And I'm not here to like, uh, oh, my gosh, you know, he, he said that the Bible's not true. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying we're literally going to see here in a minute when we go through Psalms that uh, it is an amalgamation of a lot of different people's ideas on who, what God is. And in fact, there are different names. We have been told something that is just not true. And that is that God has all of these different names. Uh, and that no matter what he's called in the Bible, it's the same God. When you understand mythologies, when you understand the, the, the Sumerian tablets, when you understand the ancient Greek culture, you understand... Uh, the Egyptian culture that was around there. You have to remember where Jesus grew up was like a melting pot. It would be like him living in New York City today where he had access to pretty much every level of higher learning, spiritual understanding, all of the great mathematicians coming out of there. The schools of mystery were there. Um, he was able to go into the Eastern mystics um, arena. He, you know, he had... His knowledge wasn't just head knowledge, guys. He was he was deeply, deeply within a yogi, a master. And I think a lot of you guys feel that way, by the way. You read stuff, and something in you goes, this is what it is. Like, I feel that. But then you're told something else, and then you're going to sit there and try to compute what you've been told because some expert, some theologian, who's been programmed from a certain angle to tell you that, you're going to that's going to cause operating system problems within yourself. Okay. And this is part of what I teach here is not just deconstruction and deprogramming. There's plenty of people that do that, but guys, I want to help build you back up once you've gone. Okay. Open mind. I obviously don't know what's going on and nobody else does. The only way I can know is by experiencing it and having true knowledge of it. Firsthand knowledge, not book knowledge, not I think I know because of this, this, and this connecting, but I'm experiencing it. There's serendipity in my life. There's synchronicity. God is showing me something. The mind of God is is starting to work in a way that rather than things being fractured, everything is working together. Um, that's the place that I want you in. That's the place I want me in, by the way. Um, I don't take you anywhere I don't want to go. So if you're here and you're one of my followers and you love what I'm doing, great. I'm going to take you to places I'm going, okay? I'm not going to take you anywhere else because I'm doing this authentically with you every day. Missy, thank you for the love. Thank you for the fire on here. I really appreciate it. Um, let's see. Um, at what time did the word Jesus appear since uh, J didn't exist in Hebrew? Yeah, absolutely. That was um, along the lines uh, when the uh, the Roman Catholic Church had a hold of that whole thing. Um, I'm not an expert on the history of all that, but I definitely know that he, he was uh, Yahshua, uh, which would have been more like Joshua uh, or Yeshua, as we might call him today. So we have, uh, there's also two different ones. Sorry, I'm trying not to sneeze, guys. I hate doing that on camera, but man, it's uh, it's allergy season. So um, well, there are two different Yahshua's, by the way both of which have been attributed to some of these experiences and or words. So um, I can't tell you which one. One of them was earlier. One of them was later. Uh, there's a whole theory on that with the whole Egyptian thing. And I don't know. 
But here's the deal. I think the words are transcendent, and I think the entity, the entity of Christ, the energy of Christ. Uh, say mayonnaise, it halts a sneeze. Oh, that's a good idea. Thank you very much. Uh, last six months struggling with the Sabbath and pagan holidays, it's been hard. Jeremy, uh, let me tell you this, my brother. Let me tell you this. When you get what I'm talking about here, when you get what, like, I'm not saying I'm at some high level here, but I'm just saying when you when you dig into this community that we have here and you open your mind up, you quit worrying about the pagan holidays, you quit worrying about Sabbaths, you quit you live in the Sabbath all the time. It is a place of spiritual enlightenment. The problem is we've turned all of this stuff into doctrine and dogma and we haven't stepped into the place of being spiritual. In fact, there's a lot of people that warn against that now. It's new age. It's dangerous. You don't know what entity you're contacting. Blah, 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 blah. Look at the fruit. That's one of the things we talk about here. Is it the fruit of love, acceptance, non-judgment, inclusivity, faith, enlightenment, peace, wisdom? Is that the fruit or is it the fruit of confusion, judgment, and fear? So if you're struggling with like Sabbath and, and pagan holidays and stuff, guys, I'm about to celebrate Christmas. I don't care where it came from. I'm a part of the human narrative. I'm a part of, I'm in the world, but not of the world. I'm going to be there at Christmas with my family. I love Santa Claus, okay? I love all the mythologies. When you start to look at all of this as mythology, then you find the truth in all. One truth, many, many names, okay? That is an ancient uh, Eastern mystic philosophy, and it's one of my philosophies, by the way. I'm not looking for a specific name because I don't know the name. Anybody that says they know the name and they're speaking some sort of tongues and whatever, the Holy Spirit, you know, whatever. I'm, that's not what I'm into, guys. That's fine. But I'm telling you what's their fruit. Because most of the time, they're showing up. And they're, they're making people go on like a guilt trip or something like that. And it's like this manipulative dance. And I'm just not here to do that, guys. I'm here to love you. I'm here to tell you, hey, open, open mind, open heart, open community here. What does God say not to partake in paganism and not bring it into your house? Which God, Jeremy? Which God? That's what we're going to see here, too. There are multiple gods talked about in the Old Testament. Multiple gods. El Elyon is God most high. He is a spirit and he is truth, okay? He doesn't do a lot of talking. He doesn't do a lot of stuff. He just is, okay? And you have people like Melchizedek that were a high priest of El Elyon. And then Jesus is supposed to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek, okay? This is an ancient mystery school, an esoteric understanding of who God is, who and what God is as a spirit, as truth, okay? Not in some place, some heaven dwelling, sitting on a fiery throne as in the Yahweh character, okay? And I'm not here to tell anyone anything about their gods because I believe there are many, 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 many gods, okay? Little g-gods, little g-gods. And even in the Old Testament it says, for, as for me and my, my house, we will worship Yahweh, and so my question to you today is, is who do you worship? I choose to worship God most high, okay? Not the little g gods, not the uh, the gods that were nothing but angry, nothing but bipolar, nothing but um, 
unaliving thousands and thousands and thousands of people. So, uh, which God should, uh, I pray to Preston says, so that's up to you, my friend. Um, I'm not here to tell you to pray to any God. I'm just, I'm here to share with you what the scriptures say, what I do in my life. The way I envision God now is a universal intelligence, a spirit of truth that is in all things that we are literally pieces of, by the way. Um, and again, I'm a Gnostic, so I have this idea of the Demiurge, the Yaldabaoth the character of the Old Testament. By the way, present in so many mythologies, from Hindu mythologies to um, Greek mythologies, Egyptian mythologies. It's always like a maker god that took this divine original creation that was man and female, by the way. We were one and split it into male and female. And created duality in the world, which is why we argue over good versus evil, light versus dark, male versus female, blue versus red, whatever. I mean, whatever you want to say, it's all dualism. But God is one. And if you look at the Yahweh of the Old Testament, he physically manifests all the time. He's always, he's standing with Moses. He's given the law to Moses. He wrote it with his finger, it even says. And then you hear about Christ, and he's talking about my Father is in spirit and in truth. And the, the reason I'm going down this rabbit hole, guys, is because I really believe in this message. Because I believe in a universal God. I believe in a universal Christ. Not one that is attached to any religious doctrine or dogma, but one that is love. That is already within you, and no one put them there, by the way. Uh, Lynn says, yes, Kev, we are all connected, disconnected by Yahweh. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then you see the, the Garden of Eden story. Again, I'm not here to say any of this is literal either. I'm just saying from a mythological, esoteric point of view, this is the narrative. Now, when you try to start making all of this literal, you're going to run into all of these problems, guys. You're going to run into, okay, where's the historical data for this? Well, we even see in biblical context that there are counterparts in the Greek and Egyptian that were happening at different time periods that almost say the same things, that are almost the same person. And we don't understand. So it's either reincarnation or it's the same mythologies being recycled over and over and over. I can't tell you what it is. I know there's something here. I know that there's something deep. There's something that wakes myself and yourself up. The hidden region connected to Jesus. Absolutely. Uh, can you explain briefly esoteric, uh, Ryan Oxford asks. Yeah, absolutely. So esoteric, I'm an esotericist, which means I'm always looking for the meaning. I'm always like, like, I can't even watch a show on Netflix without going, all right, what is the esoteric meaning? What's underneath? What's the symbolism? What is the message for the initiated person? The initiated person being someone that, um, has gone through it, like, you, you've already burned through all of the stuff in your life, like uh, all of the programming, all of the past experiences, all of who you used to be. Like you are you are fully actually reborn, not from some prayer at a pulpit. You're actually, you've gone through it. You burned through that karma, okay? It doesn't mean you're perfect, but you're like, okay, I'm ready. I'm reset. I'm open. And now I'm ready to see, Father. Like I'm ready to truly see with that third eye. And that's what that esoteric is. So it's like, go look at my bio. Like, I'll just show you right now. Well, I can't show you, but I'll tell you. So under Mystic, I have, actually, let me bring it up on TikTok because I just updated it on TikTok. 
Um, so on my bio, my bio is esoteric, by the way, just so you guys know. Like, th this will show you the best way to understand what esoteric is. Um, is that in my bio, I have some symbols there. And those symbols are not like, they're not secret society stuff, guys. Like, that's not like that, okay? Uh, secret societies only exist because they do practice those esoteric things. Uh, that those certain members understand those steps, those those um, uh, those symbols and those the meanings behind them. So esoteric, there's a universal esotericism, which is like we just understand the core philosophy and mythology that that is present in every single world religion and faith tradition. By the way, all of them. How are they all the same, by the way? Yes, there's key differences. I get that. But they're all the same because they're all pulling from one truth. It's one, like people have these downloads and they're, they're meditating and they're in the spirit and they get all the stuff. And, and that's how we end up with all of these, these seemingly identical, in a lot of ways, mythologies and philosophies. And then you end up with... Um, a lot of people are afraid of this beast system that, you know, is supposed to be whatever, whenever. And I propose that we've already been in it for thousands and thousands of years. We've been in it because we've been recaptivated under the old law, under the guise of a new law. Um, and, and I mean that as a religious law. I always follow the, the, you know, the, the law law. But I'm talking about the religious law here, the law of Moses, the Mosaic law. And so with that said, that becomes a really interesting place to dwell because then you go, well, wait a minute. The Hindu creation story is not that different from the Genesis creation story. is not that different from the Greek creation story. It's not that different from the Sumerian creation story. It's not that different from the Egyptian creation story. And why is this? Again, it's because... We are all one. All consciousness is connected anyway because your mind is not just your mind. Your mind is tapped into a consciousness. You're a computer. Your body's a computer. You know, the Internet doesn't live in my iMac, but it can access it. Okay, now I can save some information on that iMac, on the physical hard drive. You have that information too. But if you watch any of the NDE shows, on, which is near-death experiences on Netflix, you see that people even when their brain is not functioning there's like no activity in the brain and they're basically like for for hours on end you know pronounced that they have no life they have these vivid experiences like these long played out like eternal feeling experiences and they come back and they recount this and they're like well the the time that you say this was happening you were you were not here like you didn't have any brain activity that would suggest this is even possible and so they don't understand, like, scientifically what's going on other than self is not within the body. Self is using the body, okay? And now this might not sound foreign to someone who understands Eastern mysticism, but especially to maybe the Christian crowd, and I'm speaking as one, by the way, because I grew up that way. Um, I was homeschooled in the, the Christian community and some of the really, really deep stuff where, you know, you could we couldn't watch certain Disney movies and stuff like that. And then I find out later on there's a lot of stuff in those Disney movies that make all of this come alive because that truth is in all, by the way. It's in every movie you'll ever watch. It's in every book you'll ever read if you know how to find it and you just and you're initiated into that. You don't have to go through a class or anything. 
You just have to be willing. Why did Jesus say, go home, sell everything, give the money to the poor and come and follow me? Like that is the path. Like you have to give up anything that you thought you identified with to put on that new identity of Christ. Because his Holy Spirit is everywhere, Missy says. Absolutely. So to explain esotericism, so just my bio, if you go to my TikTok page or any other page, says faith, spirituality, paranormal, light worker, creator, and then has an arrow pointing down to my shop. Thank you guys for the stars, by the way. Stars help me grow. So God bless you. Uh, that helps me do this full time. I do this full time. If you ever want to know how to support me, you can check out my shop, all my merch. We've got t-shirts. Uh, we've got uh, books. We've got programs, all kinds of stuff over on cubcooker.com, C-U-B-K-U-K-E-R.com. At any point, go check that out. My audio book is over there. Uh, lots of cool stuff coming out for the holidays as well. So, But my bio, faith, under faith I have a cross, okay? And and everything in the bio, all the symbols are purple. Why are they purple? Purple's my favorite color. It's my aura color. It's caring. It's deep. It's transcendent. It's also knowing. I can meet someone and understand who they are pretty much at a core level within five minutes of meeting them. I can understand what bothers them, what what uh, excites them. I can understand what uh, they might be masking by putting on a certain air like I just get uh, I'm very very empathic um, and uh, somebody asked if I was clairvoyant I don't know about that but I definitely like I'm, I'm such a deep creative that I can just look at the creation of someone and see how they built themselves up um, which which is very comes in very handy when I help deconstruct someone and then reconstruct them um, and and I've done that to myself too What's weird is I've always been able to do this with people. I was never able to do it with myself until I started meditating. And then I was able to really dig through all my own BS and go, okay, wait a minute. Uh, empathic, yes. Um, or empathetic. Um, so uh, faith has a cross. Again, because, you know, I do believe in the words of Christ. He's by all intents and purposes, he's my guru. He's the one that I follow. I believe he was the highest master, the highest yogi. I believe he was, in effect, a savior of humanity. He brought the truth to humanity, and he was martyred for it. And if we follow that path, that's the path to life within him, right? Okay? So that's not that I think I need to go out and be like, have you heard of Jesus? Because I don't, plenty of people have heard of Jesus. Ain't nobody following him, right? Like, it's not about hearing about him or knowing him as some sort of like, you know, as my wife and I call it, the plush pillow Jesus. This is about like, are you following the path? Like, do you resonate with him? Like, are you a brother or a sister of him? Not like, you know, I need you to rescue me, Jesus. But like, what are you saying, man? Like, I want that. I want to follow you. I believe in you. Not in you that you existed, but in you as in your message, your purpose, yourself, your vibration, your identity, your actual, the entity and the energy and the consciousness of Christ. Like, that's what I believe in, if that makes sense. Um, Dave Allen, welcome. Shane Subs, uh, Angel Blanco, Joshua, welcome. Uh, Jermaine, what is up? How are you doing? Then under spirituality, I have the ancient Indian symbol for Om, the ancient sound of Om, uh, which is all the sounds of the universe combined. It's that meditative place. It's that place that transcends the physical reality and melts it away. It could be called the sound of Christ even. Um, 
And so that's under spirituality because it's not doctrine and dogma there. It's the practice of what Christ was talking about. And then under paranormal, I have the atomic symbol there. And that's because extraterrestrials, ghosts, portals, um, quantum uh, consciousness even is all paranormal because we can't put hands on it. Okay, we can't explain it in normal terms. Now we have sciences that study all of that stuff, and I love that. So that's why I have paranormal on there. It's not just because I like to talk about aliens. It's like I want to understand the science of spirituality and faith. Like that's that's a big part of what I do here. Then we get down here uh, to Lightworker, and I have the Piscean symbol, okay, under Lightworker. Again, all of these are the purple symbols, that ultraviolet light. I love, love that. That's what I emit all the time. Um, it's a wavelength that's, again, very penetrating, very, very deep. Um, it's why I have very few friends in real life uh, because I just, I have to go there. I don't, I'm not somebody that can meet up for lunch and be like, Oh, how's the weather? How's the blah, blah, blah. This is the conversation I have. If you know me in real life and most people can't hang. Okay. Let me tell you that again. I don't have a lot of friends because most people can't hang with this. My wife can barely hang with this because I can't turn it off guys. This is, I, I freaking vibrate on this all the time. Like I don't use any kind of substances. I don't even drink. I don't, I used to, you know, do all this stuff, but I don't anymore for a very, very long time. Like I'm, I'm totally focused on this mission and it, and I, I'm there because I'm there. I'm bringing forth that, which is within me already, by the way, Christ talked about that. So under light worker, I have Pisces because again, our star sign is super important. And I talk about that all the time. What you're, I, you're reading the Bible and talking about star signs. Isn't that magic? Isn't that evil? Isn't it? Well, guys, as I said earlier, and if you heard my live stream with Joshua the other day uh, from Sons of God Ministries, we're talking about magic in the Bible and who, like, what God is against that magic, okay? Well, it wasn't El Elyon, by the way. And you may say, and your pastor may say, and the internet may say that El Elyon, Yahweh, all of those names are all just different names for one God. Well, that's convenient when you just stir them in together. But Jesus literally stood there and he said, you worship your father who is Satan. And then we know that Satan is the God of this world. So who's right here, guys? We know who they were worshiping, yet we go to church on Sundays and we sing songs to the same God. Why? No, 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 you don't understand, Cub. They, they were actually doing the will of Satan, and that's really what he was saying. He was trying to reveal the true, you know, the true nature of Yahweh. No, guys, come on. I mean, let, let, let's get real. Let's, let's actually open up the Strong's Concordance. Let's actually look at what the root words are. We follow this book that we've been given that has the, the King James stamp of approval on it. You really, really should look into who he was. You really should look into the canonization process. You really should look into who actually wrote these books. You really should look into the Greek and the Hebrew to understand what these books are saying. Well, that takes a lot of time. Yeah, it does. Because it's up to you to work out your spirituality, not me, not your pastor, not just for Sundays. This is your life, okay? You go to the supermarket and you pay, 
I don't know how many hundreds of dollars now for a basket full of groceries. And you go, I lost $300 on this grocery trip. You don't understand. Okay, but look at what's in your basket. You have something infinitely more valuable than the money you just spent. Yet we approach our spirituality that way. You don't understand. I just lost three hours every night pouring through the Bible. I just lost my favorite show on Netflix. I just lost my whatever. What's the exchange rate for your spirituality? I'm not talking about your salvation here. You want to believe you're saved? That's fine. I'm talking about your enlightenment. I'm talking about when's the last time you experienced peace? When's the last time you had a vision? When's the last time God downloaded something directly into you? When's the last time your body relaxed so much with your mind that you forgot you even existed and you were just one with the universe? You say, well, wait a minute, I want that. But you're not getting that with the brand that you built around yourself. That's why I'm doing this esoteric reading. That's why I'm telling you about the symbols in my bio. Not because I'm a part of any whatever. This is all me, guys. And I'm not telling you you have to do the same thing. But I'm saying I have symbols around me so that I remember who I am. Not who I want to just revert to because... That's, that's the operating system I built, but the one that I know is true about myself. So as we get in here, we're going to read Psalm 69. This gets really interesting here. Um, Jesus is talking about the temple obviously being his body. Again, that's a very Eastern mystic thing to believe, like we are God, right? Like we are the temple of God. God dwells within self, okay? And so what is God dwelling within self then? we are a part of that consciousness. So that's not uh, like, that's not even a new thing for me to say. And you go, of course it's not because it's, it's wrong and it's, uh, it's blasphemy. You don't understand. Like, no, it's not. Like, this is the message that Christ came to, to bring. Uh, I fully believe. And that's what I can get from, uh, you're doing good. Uh, you're doing gooder than better, brother. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate that. Um, Let's see. What sign does the star of Sirius fall under? I have no idea. I'm just now getting into all of that. Um, but I'm le there's so much to learn just around myself as a Pisces that I haven't even gone down the rabbit hole of learning like what all y'alls are yet. Um, because I'm really intuitive anyway, so I don't necessarily need to know your sign to just get who you are just from meeting you. Um, and I kind of, I can speak on a universal tone with, with understanding what I do. Now, the more I learn about the charts and everything, it's pretty fascinating because like myself, I always, again, I felt like I had these two sides of me warring. Well, you know, it's Pisces is like that perfect yin and yang, like finding balance. Like I have to balance myself. I have to find myself between the perfect balance of action and receiving divine feminine and divine masculine. And if I don't find that, then I'm going to end up with all kinds of operating system problems within my mythos. That's why our private community, if you don't know about it, it's nine bucks a month. If you love what I'm doing, you can join on my website, cubcooker.com. Literally cheaper than a streaming membership. You get to support what I'm doing. And we have like the whole private community, all kinds of video trainings, uh, I'm about to do a live audio message in there today. Uh, really cool stuff happening. 
but the idea of mythos is a set of agreements, an operating system of self, very similar to the Eastern concept of the karmic imprint. So Havoc says, what a quack. Hey, I've been called worse. What's up, Havoc? Thanks for being here. Um, let's see. Susan says, I get very good vibes from your message. Thank you, Susan. Uh, God bless you. Kevin Pollock says, lost audio. Um, try it now. Kevin could be internet issues or just stream on Facebook. There's a lot of people streaming this morning. So, um, but let's, okay, let's finish this here. Um, you know, they're saying no, it took forever to build this temple. Like, how are you going to rebuild it in three days? He was talking about self by the way. Uh, and also giving us the message as he did later on, as we'll see that you're the temple. I'm the temple like that. We are the body. Okay. Like we are the hands and feet. Um, now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name, observing his signs, which he did, but Jesus didn't entrust himself to them because he knew everyone and because he didn't need for anyone to testify concerning man, but for he himself knew that, uh, what was in man. Uh, and that's deep right there. We could probably de decode that all day, but he didn't want to entrust himself to uh, these people because he knew them. He knew everyone. He didn't need for anyone to testify concerning man, but for he himself knew what was in man. And so interesting that like he's basically having to get away from all of these people that he already knows because he doesn't need to hear about you know his childhood or anything like that. He needs to speak of heavenly and spiritual things. And so um, he knows what, what is within man, what is within that flesh, and he doesn't need to sit there and discuss that. He's, it looks like he's trying to go ahead and escape that so that he can uh, continue to share the message and not not have to like dwell on these things that, that in all intents and purposes just don't matter. Like It would be like if... I showed up to all my childhood friends and family and tried to preach a message, which I've tried to do before. Uh, it doesn't work very well. Um, you know, a prophet is not recognized in his hometown. A physician cannot heal within his own home. You know, the, there's not that faith there is what I'm saying. So uh, there's a lot of, there's deeper meaning under that. And I won't get into that today because I got to hit up Psalms here. So Psalm 69, nine, again, the apostles are going like, okay, this is what he's talking about. They remembered that it was written, and they're making the connection. Like Jesus didn't make it, they're making the connection. So, um, And it doesn't mean he didn't mean it, by the way. I'm just saying, he didn't make it, they're making it. Okay. The book of Psalms, so they're referencing Psalms, they're remembering that. The book of Psalms contains ancient Israel's Favorite hymns and prayers, which were used in their worship of God, the great king. Now, I want to remind you who Israel is. Isis, Ra, El, okay? Who is Isis? Isis, the divine mother. Who is Ra, the sun god, okay? Who is the sun? Christ, okay? El, who is El? El Elyon, God most high. The water, the bull. Um, all of these things, like, super deep, okay? We don't even understand what these stories mean because we don't understand the mythology, if you don't understand the mythology, you cannot understand the Bible. And anyone, not that there's not good stuff in there, but you're going to end up with incorrect data and you're going to start to vibrate on that incorrect data and you're going to end up with operating system issues. 
because you just adopt that Israel is God's chosen people because he took Israel as his portion. But who is the God that took Israel as his portion? It's the God Yahweh, okay? If you look into the mythology, the Sumerian form of Yahweh was a God, looked like an Anunnaki God, sitting on a throne that's floating in the air with wings and with a big Sumerian-looking helmet on. He was the God of storms, okay? Uh, the God of storms, he brought clouds of thunder and fire as he descended upon Mount Sinai. We hear about that. So this is very important to understand the distinction. Whether you believe they are the same God or separate, we need to understand at least the classifications of what the attributes that are associated with the name Yahweh versus the name El Elyon are vastly different. Again, if you want to believe that they're the same God and it's a dualistic yin-yang God, that's fine. To me, that causes way more operating system problems of self than it fixes. But I'm not here to try to tell you that. I do believe that they are different gods, but I can't sit here and prove it to you. I mean, we have like 300 plus verses that can prove all of this, but you know, I can't prove it because I'm not going to stand here and go, here, look, look at this God, and then look at this one. Like, I can't do that for you. This has to be something that you that you get yes lynn says skewed data absolutely like skewed data just takes one tick off to screw up the whole algorithm right like we we know that like our what's up birds of encouragement welcome norman paza welcome thank you for being here um so we have to operate on correct data from the beginning right like this is an important place to be and when we don't understand the mythologies of who yahweh was and who el elian was that's a problem it is, it is not clearly marked in your modern Bibles. Let me tell you that. You will just see the word God or Lord God there. You have to go to things like the World English Bible or the Names of God Bible. Neither one are perfect. Some of them have different spots where you can find different things. The number one way you can do it is by getting a Bible that is an interlinear Bible with the Greek and Hebrew. And you can cross-reference every verse you're reading. And look at where it says the Lord God, it says Yahweh Elohim. And then where you look at, um, sometimes it will say God Almighty, it'll say El Elyon. And then people will argue that the etymology or the word science of that um, is that, well, it's explaining different attributes of God. They didn't really do that back then. Mythologies were, they had pantheons. Then we have 2,000 years of tradition trying to wash away pantheons and do a monotheistic bent on it, which has created a lot of problems. Not that I don't believe that there's one God, one God who is in truth and love and light, but I just don't believe that they believed it back then. I don't believe that uh, those mythologies should just be thrown out for some evolved understanding that makes God, in effect, uh, more of a mental patient than a loving God. And if you look at all the stuff that Yahweh did in the Old Testament, and then you look at the characteristics of the Father that Christ speaks of, you get a much different uh, narrative. So with that said, um, the book of Psalms is a collection of 150 ancient Hebrew songs and prayers. Uh, Psalms gives voice to personal feelings that are poetry, not doctrinal essays. Okay, I'm reading from BibleGateway.com. Under the introduction to the book of Psalms, this is like they have some of the best non-biased stuff on there. I really like, you know, where their just base descriptions come from here. So 
um, the psalmists frequently were interested in how something felt more than what it actually meant. Okay, so keep that in mind too. How many times do we quote psalms as like our spirit verse, and we're like our operating systems built on a psalm, and we adopt it as some sort of like doctrinal operating system, and that that creates issues as well because it's it, it's poetry. It would be like if you were building your life operating system on Edgar Allan Poe. You might, yeah, you're going to have some deep feelings and you're going to see the world a certain way, but it might cause some problems if you're trying to build a doctrine on that. You guys see where I'm coming from here. Okay. Uh, the Psalms are more of ent uh, entries in a diary uh, that reflect people's most intimate encounters with God or their interpretation of God, by the way. I'm going to add that. Watch for figures of speech, exaggerations, and repetitions. Poetic language requires that you read with your heart as well as your mind. The NIV Cultural Background Study Bible says the various psalms help us see God uh, respond to us and our emotional highs and lows. Okay, so I agree with all of that. However, we're going to get down to the grouping of what are these writings. They're Hebrew, poetic, uh, Protestant, poetic, Catholic wisdom, poetic and uh, diactic or orthodox. Okay, so they're lumped in a lot of different categories in their groupings here. The author, by the way, uh, we had some people say King David, some people said Solomon, um, some people said Holy Spirit. So the actual author, this is the, the moment of truth of Psalms, is King David, Asaph, the sons of Korah, Solomon, Haman, Ethan, Moses, and various unknown authors. Okay, so if we're building a theological basis on Psalms, which most of us do or have done at some point, by the way, uh, right here. Uh, love you, bro. God is great. Thank you, Trey. Appreciate you being here, my brother. Um, if we're building a building block of our faith on Psalms. That's where you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, at least seven different authors, it says, and various unknown uh, authors. Why do I say that? Because each person is experiencing what they thought was God. You don't have to look very far to realize that even someone that goes to the same church or temple or grew up in the same house has a much different view of who God is. Um, great question, Preston. I'll answer that in a second. People and on, on Preston's question, Preston says, is meditating outside better or meditating inside? Um, meditating inside is where I would start just to give you a quick masterclass here. If you can control the sound, the lighting, Everything, you know, light some candles, find a quiet room, shut the blinds, put on some, you know, really good, like, uh, chill music, like actual yoga music, um, and meditate, focus on one thought, watch it pass away, focus on the next, watch it pass away until you can just focus on that one thought longer and longer and longer. Then let that thought pass away, focus on the space between thoughts. Once you do that, you will start to master um, the dog barking, the truck going by, the train blowing the horn, the doorbell ringing, the neighbor mowing the lawn, whatever it is. 
Now, then you can take that outside. You get better at that, and the neighbor could be mowing their lawn, and you can still be, like, in it, okay? Now, obviously, if you're going to meditate outside, do it in a very safe place because uh, you're going to end up, the more you meditate, you end up in a state where, like, your your defenses are down. That's why it's a beautiful place to be in, and you want to do it in a protective place. That's why the uh, temples are great. We just don't have a lot of modern temples where you can go truly meditate, uh, you know, even churches during the week now are like, you know, locked up and you can't really get into the sanctuaries or whatever to go and meditate or pray. Um, unfortunately, that's a product of our modern culture with crime rates and whatnot. So uh, Christians meditate on the living word, uh, not no mind meditation. That's not true. Uh, carpe. Um, well, it may be true for some, uh, but here's the deal. Most people don't even know what the living word is. Uh, if you can define what the word word means in Greek, then we can have a conversation. But if you can't, and this is a great, great example here. If you can't, then you don't even understand what the living word of God actually is. And if your answer is Jesus, then you're wrong. Um, and you're wrong biblically too, because, uh, the logos. Yes. Okay. Perfect. You know, the logos. Good, good, good. Uh, and I knew you did. I'm using this as an example, by the way. Um, but the logos being the divine expression or the computation of God. And you find that outside of self, by the way. And once you find it outside of self, you begin to find it in self. That's why I'm talking about that meditation of the thought and then the space between thoughts um, a lot of times I'll just focus on the grass and watch that divine computation move the grass and you can start to see the patterns and all the stuff moving in it. Uh, you even start to see patterns in your own mind. When you close your eyes, you can see the different divine fractals move around. Um, all of that is the logos. All of that is the divine expression or the computation. It's almost like the mathematical equation of God. Um, and that's what the sun is, the product of the divine mother and the divine father. If you go back in the mythology pre uh, where it was reworked to be divinely masculine, by the way, ladies, listen to this. You know, you, your trinity has been tweaked and edited. So it's just three guys instead of, I don't know, the logical interpretation that has been believed for thousands of years that feminine and masculine, when united together, create the divine expression of creation, which is the Christ within. Um and you may go, wait a minute, that's something from Da Vinci Code. Well, yeah, it is. But take it a step further and take find that in self. Find the place inside you that is masculine, the place inside you that is feminine. Combine them, mix them, and watch it bear light in your life. Watch it bear salvation and love and forgiveness and unity and creation and all of the good fruit that we talk about here all the time. Watch what happens and then watch the words of Christ himself come alive. And then you start to see anywhere that the old law was present, it just melts away. The conscious creator says, truth. Thank you very much. Thank you for being here, my friend. Curious questions. Does the fruits from the Garden of Eden have power more than the power of consciousness? Okay, so the fruit from the Garden of Eden was a trigger point for them. It was a point of awakening when knowledge came in and they realized that they were like the God that was controlling them. That's the, that's the part of the mythology of the old Testament that we're not taught in modern theology. We've made it, we've made Genesis one and Genesis two and three and four and so on all the same story. 
But if you look at it from the original understandings and you go back and you try to understand that, um, okay, Yahweh Elohim was walking in the garden. Why was he walking in the cool of the day? That was taken directly from the Sumerian tablets, which is more about the planet Nibiru with the Sumerian pantheon of the gods rather than the Anunnaki gods, rather than this divine consciousness that Christ spoke of. Okay, And you start to see that so clearly and you can just love people that, that sit there and try to argue with you because it's it's neither here nor there. They're only blocking their own mind's eye, their own consciousness with those arguments back and forth because it just is. Like God is. He is consciousness. He is love. He is truth. And this thing in the Old Testament, once you experience that, the Christ version of God, then you don't see... <laughs> Why is he buying us back from an angry dad anyway? What am I, a teenager? I didn't eat the fruit in the garden. But when you relook at what the fruit was, it was something that woke them up. Now, for some of us here, it could be you had a spiritual experience. Um, it could be you had a near-death experience. It could be you had a substance experience. It could be you had uh, an experience of pain and suffering in your life that finally woke you up and you started questioning everything. It could be that you just made the agreement that, hey, I don't know, and I'm willing to give all of this up, Father, for the truth. Wonderful to have clear data, Lynn says. Absolutely. Uh, what about the oldest text known to us? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's tons of old texts that people debate about who who's the oldest. I love the Sumerian tablets, Emerald Tablet, um, the uh, Source Q uh, is one of them that you should definitely look up. We're gonna read all of this on here, by the way. But I really wanted to I wanted to do Sunday mornings on the Gospel to really get a hold of like how all this works. Yeah, Hindu texts, absolutely. Uh, the Vedic texts are amazing. I'm reading the Bhagavad Gita now, the Dhammapada, the Upanishads. Um, we're going to read all of those too, by the way. All of it works together, guys, I promise you. Like, it is all the message of Christ. Christ is all. It is all of the perfect philosophies come together in one. And it's not just about, like, having him on your dash or hanging a cross around your neck and going, I'm saved. It's about, do you believe in what he said? Do you practice what he said? Do you actually forgive? Do you actually love others? Are you actually willing to be the Savior, the Christ, the sacrifice for others? Are you willing to go into places where people actually don't like you and spread love with them? I'm not talking about evangelizing. I'm talking about just loving them, just loving them, just loving them. Living embodiment, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, conscious creator, yes, absolutely. Do you feel we need to suffer before enlightenment is achieved? We are enlightened first and foremost upon birth. Then we we fall into suffering, we fall into flesh, we fall into what we call sin, okay? That sin even comes in when we're told no or we're corrected or we're given some sort of experience that is shocking to us. It, it takes us away from our natural, authentic, creative flow and expression as a, a literal child of God somewhere around the seven-day-old mark. And then we start to we start to internalize what is pain. We get the, uh, the knowledge of that. It's our job to turn knowledge into gnosis. Conscious Creator says, yes, we do. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant explanation, Missy says. Thank you very much. 
Uh, are you a fan of Trey Smith uh, with God in a nutshell? I have not heard of Trey Smith. I will definitely check him out. Samuel Sneed, thank you very much. Uh, the father in Christ are the masculine, uh, and the body of believers is the bride. We must be willing to receive as the feminine. Very good explanation, uh, Samuel. I love that. Um, definitely agree with that. I think that that same thing is happening within us, by the way. Like, even within our own body, like, we have a Christ consciousness, but we also have a body that can receive the benefits of that Christ consciousness. Like, there's there's that whole dance going on. All of this goes so much deeper than I can even get into on here, guys. Like, it, it is just like macro-micro. Like, it's, it's a fractal. The deeper you go in, it, it still means something as deep as you feel like you can go in. It still means something as far out as you want to pull back. Like, it is it is amazing. It is it is a fractal. It is a pattern. It's just where are you on that pattern? I want to be everywhere on that pattern. I want to experience all the levels of it. I want to become that pattern. I want to become symbiotic with that pattern, with the mind of God. And I think that that's the whole goal of what we're doing here. Now, that quote that came directly from uh, the gospel over here, where the disciples were remembering Psalm 69.9, zeal for your house will eat me up. So I'm going to go read that right here. It says, indeed, devotion for your house has consumed me, and the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. This is talking about Elohim here, okay? Elohim, and then it gets into Adonai, Yahweh, Sabaoth. Um, so the Elohim of Israel, that's who this is talking about here. Remember, the disciples are making this connection to that tradition okay jesus didn't necessarily make that for them in this instance um they were making this now let's jump over to a different psalm written probably by someone else we don't have you know a, a, a signature on these um and this part if i can find it where did it go i had it open Oh no, I think I lost it. Um, well, I may have lost my whole point. Oh, here it is. Okay. Too many tabs open. Not only in my mind, but on Google. Psalm 57. This is in the Names of God Bible. So again, different psalm. This is for the choir director. Uh, attributed to David. Uh, when he fled from Saul into the cave. Um, so, again, I can't verify, but... So it says, Have pity on me, O Elohim. Be in plural, okay? Capitalized, however, so normally talking about the one God. Because my soul takes refuge in you. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until destructive storms pass by. Um... I call you Elohim Elion, or to El, who does everything for me. He sends his help from heaven and saves me. He disgraces the one who is harassing me, Salah. Elohim sends his mercy and his truth. My soul is surrounded by lions. I must lie down with man-eating lions. Their teeth are spears and arrows. Their tongues are sharp swords. May you be honored above the heavens, O Elohim. Let your glory extend over the whole earth. And it continues on. 
there is a part in here where he says Adonai. Um, you cannot, here's, here's the biggest problem with how I read all of this. By the way, it works in reverse, so your pastor has the same problem on the other end. None of this is consistent, and it's been pieced together, and the etymology has been lost. Um, you can understand more about who God is, who the divine fractal, the divine mind, the divine spirit of God that Christ was speaking of is, and you can understand more about the pantheons of gods by going and looking into the mythologies. When you start to understand the different mythologies, Greek, Egyptian, Sumerian, even Hebrew, like look at the other gods they were worshiping, Baal, Asherah. Who was Asherah? Asherah uh, in the Babylonian was the, uh, the consort or the wife of El Elyon, God Most High. That would be the divine mother. That would be the divine feminine. Yahweh hated the Asher poles in the camps, the Asher poles as an honor to Asherah the God. Why is this important, guys? Because if you understand who Melchizedek is, you understand who El Elyon is, you understand Christ is a high priest in that order of Melchizedek and who Melchizedek actually worshipped. Very few times in the Hebrew literature is El Elyon mentioned. Now, it's, he's mentioned a lot more times in other different mythologies and texts. He's not this thing that can manifest in human form like the Yahweh is not that Yahweh ever was in human form, but he stood before Moses. He pinned the 10 commandments with his finger. It says he wrote it with his finger. That's why when Christ gets down and he writes in the sand and he's giving a new law, he's writing the new law over the law of Yahweh. That's my opinion. That's my opinion. Uh, what Psalm says, I will make you gods. I can't remember where that is, but, um, the scriptures do say ye are gods and Christ did quote that talking about that basically reminding them like, Hey, doesn't your scripture say that you are gods? Like, why is what I'm saying that different? Like, you know, he's, he's coming and bringing the fullness of all of this. And, and again, in the sand writing something, we don't know what he wrote, but I think he was writing over rewriting that mosaic law in the new law, the new law of love. Um, again, the story of the wine that I shared last week, he brought the good wine later in the party instead of up front. What did Yahweh do? He gave the garden of Eden. He gave everything good up front. And then it was the wrath. Every time that Yahweh is associated with wine in the old Testament, it's the bubbling wrath, the pouring out of wrath, the bitter drink. You know, I can't make this stuff up, guys. It goes so deep, and it's like, and this just starts bouncing around in my consciousness, and it unlocks something in you, and it's such a good message. Like, I see it as such a good message. Unfortunately, it's really hard to receive because when you start going there, it's like, I have to rethink everything. Oh, I don't want to do that. I just spent 20 years, 30 years writing all of the code in my ethos to try to understand who I am. Now I have to redo that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Fing, uh, finger writing in Enoch, Samuel says, yeah, we're going through Enoch uh, in the afternoons, Monday through Friday. We're continuing to read through Enoch. It gets deep. 
that completes a lot of these mythologies, guys. That was what unlocked me to even come to this message is by not taking Enoch as gospel truth, by the way. I'm not taking Psalms as gospel truth. I'm not even taking Genesis as gospel truth. It doesn't mean it's not true, but it means that I'm looking at it esoterically and mythologically, and I'm understanding a much deeper story than most people will ever even think about because we either say it either is historical or it isn't, and people argue about that all day long. Well, look at this evidence. Look at that. Well, maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I don't even care. I just care what does it have to say because if it doesn't bear fruit within me and my life and this community, then what value does it even have? That's all I'm saying. Uh, let's see. Emmett Fox led me to where you are now many years ago. Keep up the good work, brother. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate that. I have not heard of him either. i got a lot of people I need to look up here. This is all downloads, man. Like uh, This is like... Many, many epiphanies in the shower. That's where I always have my epiphanies. I think it's something with the water and the vibration of just consciousness. And like, you know, you hear about baptism and like water being divine. And like, I think there's something about shower downloads. You guys that are empaths, like, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, in Acts, it says all scriptures for edification. Uh, I take it, uh, take that as all his spirit is everywhere. Absolutely. By the way. They had Hindu scriptures back then. They had Egyptian scriptures. They had Sumerian scriptures. I wasn't just talking about the Hebrew scriptures. Like, I just don't believe that, guys. Like, they were, again, they were in a melting pot. And I believe the message of Christ is all-inclusive. Love for all. One love. Unity. Yes, water contains information. Absolutely. Um, that's all I got for today, guys. Go look it up. You can look up El Elyon, Elohim Elyon. Just ask yourself, hey, are these characteristics the same? Look at when one name of God is mentioned, it's a different characteristic. And that's why I believe when Christ, Christ said some very specific things that were overriding what the God of the Old Testament was saying. Uh, Psalm 82, five through seven. They do not understand. They wander in darkness. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. Thank you, Tony, for being here. Thank you. Integrity project. Missy K. Thank you for being here. Uh, Kevin Garrett. Thanks for joining. Uh, Carpe. Thank you for being here. Uh, Minot. Thanks for joining. Lynn, Jason. Thank you guys. Annie. I just saw Annie back here. I'm sorry. We had a lot of comments today. Uh, that's an exact analogy. And he says, yes, exactly. So, um, thank you, Samuel. Thank you, Sage. Um, thank you, Leaf, for being here. Mark Denton. What's up, my brother? Uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed. It's been a good one today. I do this every Sunday, esoteric reading of the gospel of John. We're going to continue through it. And then we're going to go through the other canonical gospels, find the deep understanding that is within them. What have we missed? What can we learn from them with a new mind, a new eye on them? That's what we're doing here. So I love you guys. Hit up cubcooker.com, C-U-B-K-U-K-E-R.com. If you want to find out how to support my message, uh, every little bit helps. One of the best ways you can help me and I can help you is if you join the $9 a month membership. It's one of the cheapest memberships out there you'll have, and it's one of those that I'm going to keep taking you down the rabbit hole. We're going to have a ton of fellowship together around that. In our private community, I'm about to go do another message for that private community, the Mythos community. Y'all go check that out. Uh, also, brand new shirts for the holiday season. 
10% off right now with the coupon code EARLYBIRD before I add more to the shop. So love you guys. Y'all have a beautiful day. Thank you for being here. Uh, Susan Fox says, it's my first Sunday with you. Thank you so much. You are very welcome, Susan. Thank you for being here. I just wanted to offer an alternative to everything else that happens on Sunday mornings. Uh, not an us versus them thing at all. Uh, there's just a lot of people that don't go to church anymore, and I wanted to offer something for the people who have probably already had these thoughts that I'm talking about and might want to learn more about them and how they might actually serve the world with these ideas. So anyway, thank you for being here. I love you guys. Y'all have a beautiful day. Peace.